0: glad you could join us for the mornings at ycbc today we want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him so let's get into the word well good morning happy easter i'll spare you my very bad falsetto singing christ is risen which my family have endured and those who are here Uh, earlier this morning, but Christ is indeed risen and so I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend some time in God's word reflecting on that truth. Mm. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, We thank you though that he, as we've uh, already learnt and reminded of in our kids uh, talk this morning, that he's not on the cross. Indeed he's not even in the tomb but he has risen and he now sits at your right hand interceding for us. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit present not just around us but in us to make his presence real in our lives. Though we don't see him with our eyes today we know him by the presence of your Holy Spirit in us and all around us. And so we pray that that same Holy Spirit would guide our hearts and minds to Hear afresh, hear anew, hear in a deeper way, Lord, this well trodden truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May it not be something that our familiarity with this breeds contempt for it. But may we be re excited and reignited with the truth of the resurrection this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, So today we are celebrating that our Saviour Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. Death has been defeated and Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever. Uh, And so the events of Easter are the heart of the Christian gospel. Uh, That's what this reading that uh, Jeanette read for us this morning tells us in the first four verses. that, That this death, burial and resurrection of Jesus is the heart of the Christian gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. So he's, he's wanting to remind us of what the gospel, the good news actually is. And he says, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. And then he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So first importance doesn't mean it's the first thing and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's like second, third. It's not first importance in terms of order. It's not first importance in terms of there are a bunch of other things. It's first importance as of the most important. The center, the the most profound thing in the sense that it's almost the only thing. Everything else shoots off from this central truth. I passed on to you what I received as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so this is the gospel. This is the gospel by which we are saved. That Jesus died for our sins. That Jesus was buried. And that on the third day Jesus was raised. This is the gospel. And so Easter reminds us of this truth. It reminds us that at the heart of the Christian gospel is the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. It reminds us that our faith is based in a historical event, not in abstract philosophy. Not in a system of ideas and thought. Not something that was born in the minds of scholars. Our faith, the gospel, is anchored in the historical event of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And so this is what Paul goes on to say. He speaks of this as a historical event. As a historical event that happened not long before he wrote these words. As an event that could have been very verifiable if these people, he says, some of these people... Uh, are still living today. And he doesn't mean today when we're reading it. He means today when he wrote it. He's saying, if you have questions about this, you can go and ask any of these people because some of them are still living and they will tell you that they saw Jesus risen from the grave. He says in verses 5 to 8 of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that he, after he had risen from... The grave, according to the scriptures, he says, and he appeared to Cephas, which is another name for the apostle Peter, one of his twelve disciples, and then to the whole twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of his brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living today, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, that's Paul, as to one abnormally born. And so he speaks of eyewitness accounts, of historical evidence. He speaks of this implausible thing in such a way for us to grasp that it is as implausible as it is that Jesus rose from the grave, that it is plausible because it happened. And usually at Easter I spend a fair bit of time talking about the evidence for why we can trust and believe that the resurrection was a real event. And if you're in that space this morning where you're like, ah, that's my stumbling block. I just can't get over that hurdle of belief. I'm I'm not going to dwell here a lot this morning. But, but, but I want to say before we move on that I believe wholeheartedly, not just through an act of faith, but through historical evidence and testimony that the resurrection of Jesus happened. And so if that's the question that, that is a stumbling block for you trusting in Jesus, I'd love to follow up and have coffee and have a conversation with you about what leads me to believe that. But Paul here points simply to people who were still living when he wrote this most of them and says they saw it I saw him and so on this we take our stand that the death resurrection death burial and resurrection of Jesus are the heart of the gospel and so Easter reminds us of that but when you think about it the the the, the two real things that were given from the Bible as, as Christian rituals, to speak it in that way, communion... And baptism points straight towards this historical event as the heart of the gospel. In communion, we're reminded of of Jesus' sacrifice of his body and the shedding of his blood. That points us straight to the cross. And in baptism, we're reminded of the burial and resurrection of Jesus. We are buried not in a tomb, but under the water. And we are raised up out of the water, just as Jesus was buried and raised up. And, And that is, in a sense, acting out the making real of that burial and resurrection for us. These these rituals, very few rituals for for a religion, these two things point us straight to the death and resurrection of Jesus been the heart of the gospel. And so we make our faith about so many different things. We make it about a pattern of behavior. We make it about having to tick a bunch of boxes, we make it about having to lift this way, dress that way, do these things, but Easter is a chance for us to remember that it is really about Jesus dying for our sin, about him being buried in a tomb, and about him being raised on the third day. These are the events upon which our faith hangs, and everything else flows out from that. This is the event that changed everything, including death itself. And so the events of Easter are at the heart of the Christian gospel. And they tell us that death itself has been disarmed by the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 22, the part of the second part of that reading that Jeanette did for us this morning, it says, For in Adam all die. And this points us back to the Garden of Eden where Adam chose to disobey God. And so as a result, we all face death. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. And after he has destroyed all dominion and power and authority, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then over in verse 50 of the same chapter, the Apostle Paul goes on to, to, to speak more about what this will look like for us. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the imperishable inherit the Sorry, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, and by that he means death, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so death is the great enemy of us all. But here Paul says that in the resurrection of Jesus, death has been swallowed up in victory. Sin has been paid for, and so the sting of death is is removed. Just as Adam's rejection of God's will led to death for all, Jesus choosing God's will over his own comfort gives life to us all. Jesus' death and resurrection lead to resurrection for all who put their hope in him. Paul says, At the last trumpet, at the end of this age when Jesus returned, the dead will be raised imperishable. Those living will be transformed and the mortal will be clothed in immortality. Now, when I read these words, I kind of have this voice in the back of my head as thinking, that all sounds a little bit absurd. I don't know about you, that that will be raised imperishable. But the thing that makes me believe that this will be true in my experience, that I will be raised imperishable, that I will live for eternity with my God, is because I believe that it was done for Jesus. That Jesus rose from the grave by the power of God and he promised this to us. That his resurrection wasn't just a once-off miraculous thing, but it was the disarming of death itself. And so it's so easy to be completely focused on the here and now. On the temporal and the temporary. And Easter Sunday reminds us, though, that the resurrection is our hope. This is where our future lies. This is where satisfaction lies. Our our hope is not for this life. In fact, as Jeanette read this morning, that if our hope as followers of Jesus is for this life, then we should be pitied. Our hope is not for this life, but for eternity. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says God has set eternity in our hearts. He's, he's set in our hearts as humans a desire for eternity. And, and if you look at the actions of humanity, you, you can see our grasping for that in a whole bunch of different ways of, of trying to produce things that will be a memorial to us forever of trying to have our image carved in stone or, or trying to produce a work of art that will last forever and that leads to some beautiful art, but it won't make you last forever. We, we, we grasp at eternity in a whole bunch of different ways, but eternity is re- only found through hope in Jesus and the resurrection. He has given us eternity when we put our trust in Jesus. Um, I was listening to an interview uh of a man named Tim Keller who's an American pastor who has um, had pancreatic cancer for two years. And that's about two years longer than people normally live with pancreatic cancer. It's a very aggressive um, disease. Um, but he's been living with that. And, um, but he said that it has been, as much as he's, he's been a believer for you know decades upon decades and a pastor, and um, he said it, it's made him realise that he lived with the illusion of immortality. That he lived with the illusion. Even as a believer in Jesus, even as in a very intelligent man knowing that he will one day die, the nearness of death in his life has made him realise that he's lived with the illusion, that his life will just go on forever as it is. Um, Thankfully, no one was uh, killed in the accident, uh, as far as I know, but many of us would be aware of a truck crash that happened on the highway that many of us drive in and out of over and over again um, that was completely out of the hands of those who were uh, the victims of that accident and it reminds us that we will not live forever in this life that our life in this sense is is fragile and temporary but this is not where our hope is Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, reminds us that as much as this life is a gift, as much as it's beautiful and we should be thankful for everything in it, this life is not where we will find full satisfaction. This life is is not where we will be able to grasp and take hold of eternity. This is the life where we grasp hold of Jesus and trust in his resurrection that we might be clothed, us mortals might be clothed with immortality. And that is where we will find fullness and satisfaction and joy in the presence of the Lord forever. It's so focus, it's so easy to focus on the stuff that's all around us. There's a, a good um, test to uh, think about if you think, will this last forever? If you can see it, the answer is no. Unless you've got the gift of Seeing in the spirit, and you're seeing uh, in that sense. And so, Easter reminds us that death has been disarmed, that we will face it, but our hope is in the life to come. The sting of death has been removed. And so, now what that means is that we live this life with that sting removed. Death is now like a bee that's had its stinger removed. It's, it's weak and impotent and can do no harm for those that believe in Jesus. In John chapter 11, Jesus, uh, before his death and resurrection, but before he would raise a man named Lazarus from the dead as a foretaste of what was to come uh, in his own death and resurrection. In, in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he, he said to a woman named Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And and so I understand this as Jesus trying to wrap words around this reality in language that we might hope to understand. He says those who believe in me will live even though they die. He's saying death is still a thing for this life for us, but it's been disarmed. We will live even though we die. Because death has been disarmed. But if we believe in him, then we'll never truly die. Yeah. That death in this life is not truly death because the sting of death has been disarmed. And so because the death, the sting of death has been disarmed, we can live differently. We can grieve and die differently and we can hope differently. We can live differently. We can grieve and die differently, and we can hope differently. At the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, where, where Paul focuses on the resurrection of Jesus and our own hope of resurrection, at the end of that, his summation of how we can live differently is in verse 58. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain we can live differently because our hope is not for this life we can give ourselves fully to the lord in this life we don't need to hold something back for our own satisfaction we don't need to try and eke out everything we can from this life because we don't hope for this life so we can live differently we can trust that our labor for jesus is not in vain because there's a life to come because death is disarmed we can live differently But we can also die and grieve differently. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 and 15, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so we can grieve those that have passed away, trusting in the Lord differently. Yes, we grieve, but it's different. It's not like the rest of humanity, who that is the for them the end, the abrupt stop, the end of everything. What a horrible thought! We grieve differently because we trust that that is not truly death. It's what Jesus spoke about. They live even though they've died. And we await to be raised together with them. But we can also face our own death differently. We don't need to face our own death without hope. We journey towards that day anticipating that even in our last breaths that the best is still yet to come. We can live differently, we can grieve and die differently and we hope differently. Rachel, you can start gathering your troops. In Revelations, uh, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, one of Jesus' followers, John, uh, writes, uh, a vision of heaven he was given to, to give the believers hope uh, about what was to come. And so I often return to this uh, passage of Scripture, especially around Easter, because if I think about my own hope of resurrection, I think about, well, what's that going to look like? And this paints a picture of that. Um, But as we draw to our our close this morning and as we worship in song again, I, I just want to share very briefly, don't get stressed, but very briefly, the context into which John wrote this vision of heaven, this vision of our eternity. It was a context in which one of the worst tyrannical uh, Roman emperors reigned who was hell-bent on uh, destroying the church and making it as painful for them in the process. He would put Christians in cages and children are with us this morning so I won't go too far with that and they would die horrific deaths. And so it's into this context where everything seems about as bad as it possibly could. Where where the church may have been thinking, is there any hope? And so maybe some of us are in that space, not that we're experiencing that personally, but we look at what's happening in the world at the moment. We look at things and we're filled with despair because we lose hope for this life. But it's those who don't have trust in Jesus whose hope is in this life we hope differently we hope for what is to come and what John writes about in Revelation 21 1-4 he said then I saw in this vision a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea scripture the sea is often used metaphorically of chaos and evil so there was no longer any chaos and evil and then i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautiful dressed for her husband and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying look god's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And so we live differently because of the resurrection of Jesus. We grieve and we die differently because of the the belief we have in our own resurrection to come and we, we hope differently because our hope is not in this life. It's in that day when he will be our God and we will be his people. and he will be with us he will wipe away every tear and there will be no more suffering or pain and there will be no more death because the enemy of us or death will be defeated it's disarmed now it will be defeated then And so we celebrate now Christ as our Lord. We celebrate the defeat of death. We celebrate Jesus because we love him and he has won a great victory. So we're going to pray and then we're going to sing in celebration. And so we celebrate you this morning, Jesus. We love you and we celebrate those who we love. You have won a great victory. We celebrate, but we also give thanks to you, Jesus, because you didn't win that victory for yourself alone. You won it for us. And so I pray that in light of your resurrection and and our belief that our own resurrection is to come, that you would help us to live differently. I pray that you'd help us to grieve and die differently. And above all else, I pray that you help us to hope differently to those that don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.